Good afternoon. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker with Bakes Takes. Welcome to the podcast. This is uh, Saturday, March 20th. And uh, let's get right into it, folks. Number one, hey, bud tender. That's not a typo. Number two, don't invest in your politics. Uh, number three, road trip. Uh, we'll go into all the above. Why I do this, Bobby and Jack, my sons, uh, uh, they're in their 20s. Uh, just came out of uh, uh, business programs, undergrad recently. And uh, they'd ask me questions about uh, the, you know, the markets and money and, and news and what have you. Uh, when they were going to job interviews or doing projects, and then their friends would join in. And I really enjoyed it. It's just a great excuse to, you know, frankly, stay connected to my sons and their pals. And now I've got it on steroids, and I invite you to to uh, listen in. Uh, they think I know something because I went through the 87 crash and then went through my journey. I've been in six different firms, uh, so I kind of know where the bodies are buried. Uh, technical analysis first for me, fundamental second. It's not right or wrong. It just works for me. And uh, you be the judge what works for you. Uh, I read the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, uh, listen to podcasts, devour newsletters, monitor what the Google alerts that I set bring in. And I point you to them. I always give attribution. And if uh, you want to do that work, great. But know that if you don't, I'll do that work for you. I eat home cooking. I talk about what I invest in and what I'm interested in. I don't really have any, I, I don't have any conflicts. Um, my my uh, non-loyally disclaimer, uh, this is an investment advice. So please conduct and share your own due diligence. And please take that invitation because what I envision happening down the road is a, a, a dialogue where there's a lot of input and we have debates and we hopefully all have some fun and we all make a lot of money. So that's my, my motivation here. Uh, fan mail. Uh, Murph came in. He's a big fan of the show and I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of, of him and uh, asked about uh, ICLN, which is the um, iShares S&P Global Clean Energy. That's a mouthful. Uh, ETF. ICLN. Um, and he asked about this before. And uh, I'm reading between the lines a little bit. You know, Bakes, did, did you change your mind? And I didn't like this before. I didn't go to the exact uh, episode, Mike. But um, I, we, we did talk about this in the past. And uh, I was sort of middle of the road. And, uh, and I think my, my bias was that uh, it's a, you know, a Biden beneficiary. Uh, he wins the election. Everybody swifts, you know, runs to the left. And, uh, and and wants to be green. And I said, okay. Um, but so it's come down from, from uh, 35 to 23. And I'll talk about that. But where we are right now, watch this, this, this uh, 2098 level, which is the 200-day moving average. And you've, if you see a close below that, I'll become much more negative than I am right now. Uh, he sent me a great article from Seeking Alpha. And I'm beginning... Uh, Michael Fitzsimmons, I think, is the is the name. I'll, I'll put that in the in the show notes. Um, and he says, you know, uh, th- th- this might be a good buying opportunity. And he points out the reasons uh, why. Uh, you know, all these kinds of names, uh, uh, you know, uh, big multiples, losing money, uh, uh, you know, big promise in the future. But now we've seen we've seen interest rates go up. So any of these high-flying stocks have all come in, and you can see that in, in, in the Teslas and the Netflixes, and you can see it here. Um, he points to something that, that and this is, I love getting these questions because it points to 
the practical things that I do that I think are practical and I want you to put into practice. Um, he points to, the, the, every time I see an ETF, I go to the fact sheet. And the main thing I'm looking for in the fact sheet are the top 10 holdings. And then if I can, you know, if I, if I like what I see in the top 10 holdings, or at least the majority of them, okay. Uh, but here, the number one name is Plug, Plug Power. And this is sort of a Kramer darling, momentum darling. And, uh, but it's 9.5% of the fund. And I doubt it started that. I mean, it's been a rocket ship. Uh, it, it, I didn't put that chart in the, in the notes, but it's basically got, got cut in half from 75 at the zenith. Uh, but it's, you know, it's hydrogen fuel cells and, uh, uh, you know, it's a tree hugger's paradise, but it's a $27 billion market and losing money. And so as wonderful as the technology might eventually be, and as wonderful as the revenues and EBITDA might be in 2030, uh, I, you know, this is, I would not buy the individual name. And so here's my take, Murph, uh, we're going to rewind a little bit. It also brings up another thing that, uh, that you know, might be the, um, the, I'm not saying this is you, but I put this in, the, in the, the, the top of the show. Don't invest your politics. If, you know, I we're all concerned about, most of us are concerned about global warming and climate change and, and reducing our carbon footprint and all that. But my idea of being green is making money. And if I can do both, that's great. But I'm not going to uh, uh, invest in something because I politically feel that this is a a, a way to go. Uh, uh, you know, the, the every time I've done that, I've 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 lost. The market does not care about my political views or yours or anybody's. So uh, just go into the voting booth, pull the lever, go out. And then go find stocks and ETFs that make money. And that's what I do. So uh, I hope that's helpful. So here's my take. Uh, and it's going to sound like the last time, I think. ICLN, clean energy, I think it's okay. I think it's at support. Uh, watch plug. Because uh, uh, that you know is really kind of driving this right now. Uh, and this is m- more wind energy uh, hydro. And one of these days, this you know, you know my thoughts on uranium. Uranium has kicked ICLN's tail this this year. So, uh, you know, uranium is part of the solution to ESG and climate change and all these things. And it's just a matter of time. And there's more on that later. Uh, but do this for me, please, uh, Murph. And thanks for the question, as always. Please share this with your Robinhood friends, your Reddit friends, and send in stocks ideas. Uh, I, I'll offer a strategy for them as well, and uh, and please stay tuned. My themes and groups, you know, I just like what we're doing. I like retail slash GameStop. I'm making a tiny, tiny uh, uh, investment there, tiny, so that if everything, and you know me, anything that goes down fifteen percent, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot anyway. But uh, you know, retail, the cannabis, Bitcoin, blockchain. Uh, uh, YOLO, uh, I mentioned that before, sorry. Um, uh, uh, agriculture's not working all that great right now. I still like copper. And um, uh, so, you know, I'm not going to uh, get, I'm not going to uh, uh, fix something if it's, if it's not broken. And some of the things we talk about later on the show will feed into my themes and groups. So please stay tuned. 
podcast of the week. Uh, this is becoming one of my new favorites. Uh, this is On the Tape with Danny Moses, um, Guy Adami, and, and Dan Nathan. They interview Kara Swisher. I uh, urge you to check out the show often, uh, maybe even weekly, and, and this interview is great. But at, at 2024, in the most recent show, uh, Danny Moses talks about uh, Illinois and cannabis. And uh, they, in many states, uh, report their tax receipts from, from cannabis. And in February, for the first time, tax receipts from cannabis exceeded alcohol, uh, which I think is astonishing. And the tax is pretty hefty. In Massachusetts, I'm told it's 18 to 20 percent, something like that. Um, so it's significant. Uh, and, you know, you're seeing the same kind of, of uh, reactions that you might expect to see. The alcohol lobby asking Congress to, you know, sit on the cannabis industry, regulate them like the, the way they are. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But there's a bill that I wasn't aware of, and maybe you are, and, and Mike, maybe you are, but uh, uh, the SAFE Act, uh, Secure and Fair Enforcement, it's a new bill. Uh, the GOP has blocked prior versions of this. Uh, it allows banks to lend to cannabis companies because still now it's uh, it's it's uh, scheduled uh, to schedule a drug federally, and uh, but so banks can't lend. So people, are, so the the cannabis companies are paying interest rates in the teens in a zero interest rate environment. It's kind of crazy. Uh, it'll allow for U.S. stock listing. It will uh, offers criminal justice reform, which is sorely needed. It seems kind of crazy that you have as many people in jail for, for cannabis infractions, given where we are right now. Um, so that, I, I just find that fascinating. And uh, Guy Adami pointed out that uh, Howard Schultz, Starbucks founder, has invested in, in, in the space. Dan Nathan uh, asked uh, Dan Moses how to play this. He didn't mention YOLO, which I was a little disappointed in, but so be it. We'll get him next time, and I'll reach out to him after the show. Um, and and, he, and uh, Danny very quickly said, short private prisons, which, you know, I haven't found an ETF that can do that, but boy, that sounds like something to to uh, pursue. I wouldn't want to be those guys right now. Um, and uh, he thinks this is this is, becomes the CPG, Consumer Packaged Goods Company, of the future. They vertically integrate, they develop brands, they build distribution. Uh, so everything from the plant to the to the last mile, uh, these companies are going to be involved with eventually. And I think he's right. I really do. I think he was early on this, uh, but we've been in, invested in here for, you know, most of the last uh, 12 months. And uh, so now you're seeing these companies getting access to five to seven percent paper, papers, bonds, basically. Um, and he brought up something that I had, two things that I had not heard of before. Uh, the drug sector ought to be terrified about this. And I hadn't thought about it. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the uh, number of ailments that cannabis can, can, can treat uh, effectively and maybe less expensively and maybe less chronically, uh, it's, it's a, a, a real trend that uh, uh, is going to hurt the pharma companies and maybe that's playing out into the way the stocks are acting on top of uh, the buy the rumor and sell the news of, of the vaccine companies and uh, and he also said well you, you know, you'll go talk to the bud tender and the guy and I because we're the older guys uh, did a double take and said bud tender what the heck? and it's a term apparently Mar 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 Mike have you heard of this okay um, and uh, like you walk into a bartender and you order margaritas 
and bud tenders will 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 come up with the the uh, the blend or the or the, the the type of cannabis that that suits uh, whatever you're looking for, and uh, it's 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 uh, incredible to me. And uh, with this, uh, Danny Moses said very matter of factly, this is like autos in the '50s and internet in the '90s. And uh, I like latching onto big themes that we can hold for a while. And I think we have another here. And this is uh, uh, you know two angles, you know, some new angles on this bullish theme that I thought you ought to know about. And I really recommend the podcast and these guys. I like them a lot. Uh, advisors, the Pure Cannabis ETF, YOLO, Y O L O. Um, which I think was named before it was adopted by Wall Street Pets, um, but it's fortuitous. Uh, it's just a good-looking chart, and it, it, it's doing all the things I wanted to. Yeah, it's pulled back a little bit, but it's still, you know, very solid, building a base, consolidating. The volume on the down days is, is, is pretty moderate. So it's a good-looking chart, and I think we're in inning three. Could it be inning four? Sure, but it's not inning eight, and um, I... Um, uh, so my take is it's a long-term trend with with years to go. And please send me the pros and cons of anything you're seeing that uh, that might play into into, into this investment theme. Uh, the irrelevant investor. This is uh, Michael Batnick, I believe. Yeah, there it is. Michael Batnick posted this past week. He's the head of research at Ridholds Wealth Management. Uh, those guys put out a lot of content, and I think it's terrific myself. Um, but uh, it's 20 crazy investing facts. And uh, I didn't list them all here. There's the, the links there. You can go to it. But I do this just because it's a good uh, sort of reminder of perspective. And so number 12 was over the last 20 years, gold is up 340%. Stocks are up 208% with dividends. And you go, huh. I mean, I was surprised by that. And uh, his conclusion is you can support any argument by changing the start and end dates. And that's a fact, obviously, and it's good to remember. And that's why whenever I reference a chart or you look at a chart, I always tell you and ask you, what's the time frame? And the more long-term it is, the more relevant it is. In this particular circumstance, you know, people you say, oh, I want to own stocks and I want to buy and hold and, and you know, HODL, hold on for dear life. And that's okay. But just remember that, you know, for t- 10 years, from the internet bubble of 2000 to the housing crisis of 0708, stocks stunk. You made no money in stocks. Yes, there were indiv- the indices made no money uh, uh, over the course of that, of that period, created a lot of heartburn, and gold killed it over that period of time. Uh, now, the, the, the last 10 years coming out of the, 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 the uh, financial crisis, I'm sure these numbers look dramatically different. Uh, where stocks have, have have beaten gold, even though gold's up too, uh, stocks have been been uh, a very good investment. So time frames matter, and I really recommend you go check out the the twenty crazy investing facts. There's a lot of neat stuff there, in my opinion. Next, uh, reporters of the week, uh, and this is from uh, Cheryl Monk in Barrons, and Morgan Stanley, Morgan Stanley gets the ball rolling with Bitcoin, and. Uh, that's the first major wealth management uh, firm that I've seen uh, talk about, uh, uh, you know, allowing clients, but, you know, offering to clients the ability to invest in Bitcoin. And if they did it, then Goldman Sachs is going to be next and it's going to be everyone else. So to my uh, uh, friends out there that are in the wealth management business in any way, shape or form, 
uh, I think you have to be at least conversant in Bitcoin. You check with your compliance department, obviously, but uh, Bitcoin, especially for 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 wealthy uh, clients, they're going to hear about it. Their friends are going to own it. They're going to be bragging about their gains, and uh, it is. Uh, I think you have to, to to be involved. And I think the dominoes are going to fall for competitive reasons. And um, uh, I think every major wealth management firm is going to have to have some sort of a Bitcoin program uh, eventually. And um, uh, newsletters of the week, uh, the Bear Traps Report. It seems like I talk about this all the time. This is Larry McDonald and his team, but I just, I just like it. And it it's, uh, creates a lot of great fodder for, for these conversations. Very uh, visual, like I am. And so I'm drawn to it. So there we go. Had a nice exchange with Larry this past week. Um, uh, first off, consumer survey via, via Truist. 50% are planning a trip this spring, March 1st through May 31st. 62% of respondents are comfortable dining out. I'm astonished it's that low, frankly. I would have said it would be 80 plus at least. 38% believe that life will return to normal within the next three months. And here's my point with all this. Um, I think those numbers are low. I think they're going to be going north with every passing day. I point you to the op-ed piece that we talked about with Dr. Macri last week, which was get the vaccine, wait a month, and and get back to normal. So I think it is happening, and I think that it is creating this tug of war where it's good for the economy, it will be good for revenues and earnings for a lot of companies, it will also provide interest rate increases down the road or or increase the uh accelerate the increases that we're already seeing and what as multiples come in for stocks uh uh how does that impact do the earnings create enough upside so that stocks can go up in that environment meaningfully and i think that's obviously a very broad statement but i think that the economy going up is going to create this this uh cognitive dissonance where the economic news is going to be great, but stocks might not do all that great. So, you know, stay tuned. But, and I've been pretty consistent about that. This is, I'm always drawn to charts that look like the Matterhorn uh, that, are, that are going parabolic. And this is TSA passenger throughput uh, year over year. Now, obviously it's March. Okay, so the comps are ridiculously easy because everything was shut down in March. But uh, just, uh, uh, I don't know about you, but everybody that I'm talking to, that can is getting on a plane and flying somewhere and seeing somebody and and uh, especially with spring here getting warmer, uh, I just think that that uh, the the uh, uh, now maybe not enough for the airlines to to like it, but I think that the uh, the economy is going to scream over the next nine months and uh, and I think that's going to create bond yield increases, but we'll see. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, tell me what you think about uh, your plans, uh, what you're seeing, uh, any anecdotes that you think would be useful in terms of driving us to investment themes. I love that stuff. So keep it coming. Next, Larry talks about, and he's been pretty uh, good on, on uranium. Denison, a uranium miner, uh, you know, pulled a micro strategies. My words, not his. But uh, they basically sold stocks and bought physical uraniums in the spot market and and uh, uh, and, and put it into inventory. Uh, obviously, MicroStrategy did the same thing with Bitcoin. So here's a, a, a miner taking advantage of, uh, you know, what they see as 
maybe a, a rich stock price and an undervalued uh, spot price in uranium. And this got the market's attention. I mean, uh, spot went up a buck and a half to uh, 29.62. Uh, that's a big move for, for, for sleepy uranium. And as we've talked about in the past, the spot market doesn't really matter all that much. It's the long-term contracts that the miners have with utilities. And um, the uh, what remains to be seen is the utilities response. Do you start seeing longer-term contracts at prices with, with fours and fives in front of them that, uh, uh, that, that ripple through the, the income statements of the miners? We're not there yet. The stocks are already up 100% uh, since we bought them. And uh, again, I think it's an inning three. Uh, and if it's inning four, that's okay too. Next is palladium. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running up the learning curve here, just like I did uranium, but it has a lot of the same characteristics. Uh, the, the short interest was massive. Uh, that's getting worked off. And then lo and behold, you have two mines that have production problems uh, taking on water. And so the price of palladium is starting to go up. And then as another accelerant, you have um, uh, uh, the... Uh, the two countries, uh, Asia, well, sorry, not countries, continents, Asia and Europe have really dramatically increased the uh, emissions requirements for for uh, for vehicles, and uh, the palladium and platinum go into catalytic converters, and so you have this new demand for uh, for platinum that's that's driving the stock price higher. So it's a supply deficit. Uh, which is the same uh, dynamic that we had with uranium, and it's presenting itself here. So stay tuned. I'll let you know what I find, but I'm I'm very curious about, uh, once again, another commodity going north. And so here's damn near all the commodities going north in, in one nice chart. And I just like it for historical perspective. Uh, they talk about the commodity super cycle. Larry and his team were on this early and um uh you know it's just please go to the, the youtube channel so you can see this but uh commodities are going up and to the right uh as far as the eye can see and it also shows that we're not ha at, at the zenith yet there are historical peaks that are higher and given what we're seeing with economic activity post-covid i think this is going to go on for a while and and obviously where we have it in in our portfolio, copper, uranium, et cetera. So, uh, and then uh, I didn't pay attention to this, uh, and I'm glad that that Rick Ryder from BlackRock did. Um, uh, long bonds are in a, a, a bear market. Uh, the the drawdown, you know, the peak to the current price on the long bond is down 20% now, and that's a that's uh, the biggest move we've seen in 40 years. Again, using perspective. So uh, 40 years ago was when, you know, uh, yields were 15%. So this is, uh, you know, this is historic stuff going on. I think that, that uh, bonds are in a long-term bear market. We'll see. I'm not uh, uh, dogged about that position, but I, I've driven that, uh, I've drawn that trend line that you've seen with that breakout that I posted everywhere. And we're short uh, bonds in uh, the, the, um, uh, the ETF that we own. And uh, it's working. And so I'm from the church of what works. And uh, so far, so good. So 
that's the show, folks. Uh, please also subscribe to my Bakes Takes YouTube channel. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. Follow us on Twitter at Bakes Takes underscore and other social media. Please use your voice memo app, tape your questions, and email to bakes at bakestakespodcast.com. Write in if you'd prefer. I'll keep you anonymous if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Mike, thank you as always. Have a great week. This is Bakes. And I added something before, much needed levity. Uh, Dick Hoyt passed away this past week at 80 uh, around Boston and the Boston Marathon. He is legendary. I hope you've uh, been familiar with his story. His son Rick has, I believe, cerebral palsy, and he has pushed him uh, in, in, in many marathons, Boston and otherwise, and I, he's just a, a giant of a figure around here, and, he, and I think it should be everywhere. Uh, this video is set to I Can Only Imagine, which is stunningly beautiful in my opinion. It's four minutes, and I think it's worth your time, and God bless you, Dick, and, and rest in peace. And for much-needed levity, uh, Maria Bamford uh, is, I think, uh, brilliant and funny. Uh, she uh, seems to have about a thousand voices that uh, that come out of her uh, comedic brain. And this is what our waiter is even talking about. And I think you'll enjoy it. And I will see you next week. Take care now. Bye-bye. <laughs>